From Pasch to Samartan's Conversion, Part 1 The Letter of King Abgarus From Bithynia, where Jesus had for some time remained in concealment, he went in the place of baptism near Ono. The arrangements were still in good order owing to the care of its custodians. The disciples gathered around Jesus, and crowds of people came streaming in. As Jesus was teaching before the multitude, part of whom were standing, others sitting on wooden platforms in a circle around him, a stranger approached, mounted on a camel. He was followed by six attendants who rode on mules. They halted at the tents, some distance from the place of instruction. It was an embassy from King Abgarus, who was sick, Una had sent presents to Jesus with a letter in which he implored him to come to Edessa to cure him. He had had an eruption that had settled in his feet and rendered him lame. Travelers returning to their homes had told him about Jesus and his miracles, of the testimony of John and the wrath of the Jews at the last Paschal Solemnity, all of which had excited in him a great longing to be cured by Jesus. The young man commissioned to bear the king's letter to Jesus was an artist, and he had received commands to bring back Jesus' portrait if he would not come himself. I saw him vainly trying to reach Jesus. He pressed sometimes here, sometimes there, through the crowd, both to hear the instruction and to paint Jesus' likeness. Then Jesus bade one of the disciples to make room for the man that was going around people, unable to push his way to the front and he pointed out a platform nearby to which he should be conducted. The disciple brought the envoy forward and placed him and his attendants where they could see and hear. They had with them gifts of woven stuffs, thin plates of gold, and very beautiful lamps. The envoy, overjoyed at being able to at last see Jesus, at once produced his drawing materials, rested his tablet on his knee, regarded Jesus with great admiration and attention, and set to work. The tablet before him was white as if made of wax. He began by sketching with a pencil the outlines of Jesus' head and beard, then it looked as if he spread over his work a layer of wax in which to receive the impression of the sketch. After that, he resumed his sketching, touched again and again with his pencil, again took the impression, and so continued, but without ever perfecting his work. As often as he glanced at Jesus, he seemed lost in amazement at the countenance he beheld and was forced to begin anew. Luke did not paint in exactly this way. He used a brush also. The picture this man was producing appeared to me to be somewhat in relief. One could trace it by the touch. Jesus continued his discourse a while longer and then sent the disciple to say to the envoy that he might now approach and deliver his message. The envoy came down from the platform whereon he was sitting, followed by his attendants with the presents and lambs. His doublet was short, almost like those of the three kings, and he wore no mantle. The picture at which he had been working was hanging by a strap on his left arm. It was like a shield in the form of a heart. In the right hand he held the king's letter. Casting himself on his knees before Jesus, he bowed low, as did also his attendants, and said, Thy slave is the servant of Abgarus, king of Edessa. He is sick. He sends thee this letter, and prays thee to accept these gifts from him. Then the slaves approached with the presents. 
Jesus replied to the envoy that the good intentions of his master were pleasing to him, and he commanded the disciples to take the gifts and distribute them among the poorest of the assembled crowd. Then he unfolded the letter and read it. I do not remember all that was in it, but only that the king referred to Jesus' power to raise the dead, and begged him to come and cure him. The part of the letter containing the writing was stiff, the envelope pliable, as if of some kind of stuff, either leather or silk. I saw, too, that it was bound by a string. When Jesus had read the letter, he turned the other side of the stiff part, and, drawing from his robe a coarse pencil out of which he pushed something, he wrote several words in tolerably large characters, and then folded it again. After that, he called for some water, bathed his face, pressed the soft stuff in which the letter had been folded to his sacred countenance, and returned it to the envoy. The latter applied it to the picture he had vainly tried to perfect, when, behold, the likeness instantly became a facsimile of the original. The artist was filled with delight. He turned the picture, which was hanging by a strap, toward the spectators, cast himself at Jesus' feet, arose, and took leave immediately. But some of his servants remained behind, and followed Jesus, who, after this instruction, crossed the Jordan to the second place of baptism, which John had abandoned. There these new followers were baptized. I saw the envoy on his way home, passing a night outside a city, near which were long stone buildings, like brick kilns. Very early the next morning, some of the workmen hurried to the spot, because they had seen there a bright light like a fire. Something remarkable then took place in connection with the picture, and a great crowd of people gathered on the spot. The artist exhibited to them his picture, as well as the cloth with which Jesus had dried his face, and which, too, had received the imprint of his features. Abgris came some distance through his gardens to meet his envoy. He was indescribably touched at Jesus' letter and the sight of his picture. He immediately amended his life and dismissed the numerous concubines within whom he had sinned. I saw again that, after the death of Abgris's son and the reign of a wicked successor, the portrait of Jesus, which had been publicly exposed, was concealed by a pious bishop. He placed it in a niche, a burning lamp before it, and walled up the aperture. After a long time, the picture was discovered, and then it was found that the stone that concealed it from sight also bore its imprint. Part 2. Jesus on the Confines of Sidon and Tyre Jesus went from Ono with the disciples to the middle place of baptism, that above Bethabara and opposite Gilgal. There he permitted Andrew, Saturnin, Peter, and James to baptize. Immense crowds were coming and going, rousing in consequence fresh excitement among the Pharisees. They displayed letters to the elders of all the synagogues throughout the country, directing them to deliver over Jesus, wheresoever he might be found, to take the disciples into custody, to inquire into their teachings, and inflict punishment upon them. But Jesus, accompanied by only a few disciples, left the place of baptism and journeyed through Samaras and Galilee on the confines of Tyre. The rest of the disciples separated and returned to their homes. About the same time, Herod ordered his soldiers to bring John to Calerhoe, where he kept him confined for about six weeks in a vault of his castle. Then he set him free. While Jesus, with a few of his disciples, 
was crossing the valley Esdralon on his way through Samaria, Bartholomew passed. Returning home to Debetheth for the baptism of John, he fell in with some of the disciples, and Andrew spoke to him enthusiastically of the Lord. Bartholomew listened with delight and reverence. Andrew, whose joy it was to add intelligent men to the number of the disciples, went forward to Jesus and spoke to him of Bartholomew, who was desirous of following him. Just at this moment, Bartholomew passed. Andrew pointed him out to Jesus, who, glancing toward Bartholomew, said to Andrew, I know him. He will follow me. I see good in him, and I shall call him in time. Bartholomew dwelt in Debeseth, not far from Ptolemy. He was a writer. I saw that he met Thomas soon after, to whom in turn he spoke of Jesus, and whom he inclined in his favor. Jesus had to endure great privations on this hurried journey. Saturnin, or some other one of the disciples, had charge of a basket of bread. Several times I saw Jesus steeping the hard crust in water in order to be able to eat it. Entire, he put up at an inn near the gate on the land side of the city. He had come over a high mountain ridge. Tyre was a very large city. To one approaching from a distant height, it looked as if hanging from a mountain and momentarily in danger of being detached. Jesus did not enter the city. He kept along the wall on the land side, where there were not so many people. The wall was very thick, and it was built the inn, and on top of it ran a road. Jesus wore a brownish robe and a white woolen mantle. He went here and there, but only to the houses of the poor built in the wall. Saturnin and one other disciple had come with Jesus to Tyre. Peter, Andrew, James the Less, Thaddeus, Nathaniel Chased, and all the disciples that had been with him at the marriage feast of Cana followed. They traveled in separate bands and met Jesus in the Jewish meeting house, situated in another quarter of Tyre, to which led a broad canal bordered with trees. To this house, with which the school was connected, belonged a large bathing garden, which ran down even to the water that cut off this quarter of the city from the mainland. The bathing garden was surrounded by a wall, inside of which was a quick-set hedge of bushes cut in figures. In the middle of the garden was an open portico containing numerous passages and little apartments, and around it was a spacious bathing cistern full of flowing water. There was in the middle of it a pillar with steps and hand supports, by means of which one could descend into the water to any depth. This place was inhabited by aged Jews who were despised on account of their religion or origin, although they were good, pious men. It was touching to see Jesus saluting the disciples on their arrival. He passed among them, giving his hands first to one, then to another. They were full of respectful confidence, for they regarded him as an extraordinary supernatural being. They were indescribably joyous at seeing him again. He delivered to them a long instruction, after which they told him all that had happened to them. They took a meal together, consisting of bread, fruit, honey, and fish, which the disciples had brought with them. The disciples, some in Jerusalem, some in Genabras, were called to account by the Pharisees before large assemblies on the subject of Jesus, his doctrine and designs, and their own intercourse with him. They were molested in many ways. Once I saw Peter, Andrew, and John with their hands bound, but a slight effort burst their bonds asunder, as if by a miracle. They were then allowed to return to their homes in peace. Jesus exhorted them to constancy, and told them to begin to free themselves more and more from their avocations, and to spread, as far as they could, 
his doctrine among the people of their district. He added that he would soon be with them again, and that he would resume his public teaching when he should have rejoined them in Galilee. After the departure of the disciples, Jesus held in the school of the bathing garden an instruction and exhortation before a numerous assembly of men, women, and children. He spoke of Moses, of the prophets, and of the near coming of the Messiah. He interpreted to them the meaning of the drought that had fallen upon the country in the time of Elias, the prophet's prayer for rain, the uprising clouds, and the showers that fell, and he showed how all this was soon to be realized. He spoke also of water and of purification, healed many of the sick, and directed them to receive the baptism of John. He cured many boys who had been brought to him on beds. He plunged several of them, holding them by the arms into the water. Saturnin having poured into it from a bottle some other water that Jesus had blessed. The two disciples baptized these children. There are other boys approaching manhood who went down into the cistern and, holding to the column, plunged themselves under the water, and in this way were baptized. I noticed here several circumstances unlike what I had generally seen on such occasions. Many of the adults had to remain standing at a distance. The ceremony went on until night closed in.